0: You know, opioids help. When you're in severe pain, you need opioids. But what you don't need is to be, you know, what we need to worry about is, you know, the young mommy who goes in, has a C-section, gets on opioids, and 90 days later, she's still on opioids. But some people are at risk for, you know, they feel normal on opioids. They take an opioid for the first time and suddenly they feel normal. So they get the stimulant effect, it's mood elevating, they feel some alleviation of anxiety and depression.
1: Welcome to the Mindfulness Experience Podcast, an official media partner for the Wonderland Miami 2023 conference happening from November the 9th through the 11th. I'm Keith Fiveson, your host for today's episode. We're excited to have a special guest who will share her expertise, and insights about an innovative approach to addiction treatment. With her extensive academic background and groundbreaking research, our guest has been making waves in the field of neuroscience and pharmacology. Please welcome Dr. Deborah Nash, Professor of Neurology and Molecular Cellular Pharmacology at the University of Miami and the founder of Demarex. Welcome to the Mindfulness Experience Podcast, Dr. Mash. How are you? <laughs> I'm
0: doing very well. Thank
1: you. You're, you're, you're welcome. I'm I'm really very excited to have you here. I know you're in Miami and you are a speaker at the Wonderland Conference. And I'm just wondering if you can give us a little bit of background uh, about you and what led you to become interested in this area of addiction treatment and ibogaine.
0: That is a very long journey, sir.
1: <laughs> okay, I mean, uh, we're here. It's so uh, good. Yeah. We can do that. My
0: work my work with uh, addiction actually was somewhat of a left turn. I'm a neuroscientist, neuropharmacologist, and Professor Emerita from the University of Miami. I stepped down at the height of the opioid epidemic mm. to uh, dedicate myself fully to addressing the the Mm. epidemic and and deaths and and wreckage of uh, fentanyl and Mm -hmm. opioid epidemic in our country Mm. and this was after all in i'm about 30 years vested
1: Mm -hmm.
0: in this research program
1: wow 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 and it's been going on for quite a while when we start taking a look at the uh you know the drugs that are legal versus the drugs that aren't and you know it seems to me there's a whole um, a group of wisdom medicines that really do help with neurogenesis with you know really helping individuals to get in touch with the ineffable you know i i look at them as wisdom medicines and you're doing some work with ibogaine so you know in this 30-year journey um, can you tell us a little bit about what brings you to wonderland which is really Kind of a um, you know it's a it's a conference on psychedelics on this year health and wellness and longevity. So I'm just wondering your spin and what you're you know hoping to provide during your session.
0: I'm very excited to be presenting this year. I've attended the meeting for the meeting for the last three years, and every year they assemble a really stellar group of professionals and and, uh, really addressing an important area of neuroscience today you know what's so exciting for me is that i have been studying the human brain and behavior and what goes wrong with serious mental health disorders that affect the brain Mm -hmm. from my very beginning years from Mm -hmm. from years when i was a graduate student Mm -hmm when I, I did my fellowship in Boston and Harvard Medical School, when I joined the faculty at the University of Miami, I was working on neurodegeneration.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: And today, and then my career shifted gears with the cocaine epidemic in mm. Miami Dade,
2: mm-hmm.
0: when you know we were all struggling to find a cure, a treatment, anything that could break the cycle of addiction of people who were abusing coke.
2: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. You know, Miami was hard hit. We were on the front end loading at the cocaine epidemic in Miami day
2: mm-hmm. because
0: of our close proximity to the Caribbean mm-hmm. and the transshipment through the Bahamian corridor. So this was really, really bad days indeed and we had nothing. Mm-hmm. No medications. No medications. And what do we have today? What do we have today? Mm. The FDA has approved Mm-hmm. methadone,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right. suboxone or buprenorphine mm-hmm. for medication assisted therapy, mm-hmm. where you're basically substituting one opioid, illicit right. opioid mm-hmm. for another opioid. Now this has saved lives and it helped, you know, millions and millions of people, but this is what we have and you know methadone has been around didn't really go through the regulatory path at the fda as most drugs do Mm
2: -hmm.
0: for withdrawal management people who want to try to have a transition to abstinence Mm -hmm. what are their choices you can go into detox Mm -hmm. you can you know do an outpatient detox good luck most people fail Mm -hmm. and they're really you know many people do not successfully detox off of opioids in other words they can get past the you know the, the cold turkey syndrome that everyone thinks about mm-hmm. you know remember john lennon's song uh, that nice. was many many years ago cold turkey you know mm-hmm. uh, you know screaming pain the chills runny eyes the anxiety mm-hmm. the nausea the diarrhea the vomiting mm-hmm. you know, it's it's pretty horrible it's serious, and people yeah. People have fear of withdrawal. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, every time you use an opioid and you start to go into early withdrawals, you're constantly remembering. Mm -hmm. You've conditioned that memory of painful withdrawal. So people are afraid. So what are they going to do? They're going to go back out and score dope again so they can block withdrawals. Right. So we keep having this, you know, pattern, this cycle of revolving door of detox, and then failed recovery, over and over and over and over again.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And in the in the 1990s and early 1990, 1992, mm-hmm. uh, in the course of my research, uh, and I was a newly funded uh, National Institute on Drug Abuse Investigator, and I had given me a first grant mm-hmm. to study this, you know, phenomenon of the cocaine epidemic, cocaine related mm-hmm. sudden deaths. And I was like, you know, damn, I'm going into the medical examiner's office and I'm seeing young people,
2: mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. you
0: know, and and I was used to seeing older people who had died with, from diseases like Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. And now, you know, working in that context and going in now with young people and then we had cracked babies mm-hmm. and we and we had, you know all of the crime in Miami-Dade, and these were the Clinton years. This was General McCaffrey, mm-hmm. you know, was our, was in charge of uh, ONDCP, the Office of National Drug Control Policy. So if this, you know, just, th- these were difficult days, and there was nothing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And the National Institute on Drug Abuse had a mandate. They said, let's come up, let's come up with a new, mo- um, new molecule. Mm-hmm. And I had heard serendipitously about mm-hmm. IPA. Mm-hmm. And the first time I heard about it, I thought, "What is this? This, this can't yep. be real. This is That's snake right. oil."
1: So, what what is ibogaine? Let's 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 ah. unpack that. Yeah.
0: So back to what you were talking mm-hmm. about at the beginning. You know, this is one of these um, indole alkaloids from Mother Nature, and indeed, mm-hmm. like other plant medicines or other psychedelic mm-hmm. molecules that come from Mother Nature. This is an alkaloid. And you know, Mother Nature gives us addicting alkaloids.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Opium's an alkaloid, nicotine's an alkaloid, cocaine's an alkaloid. Well, this is Mother Nature's antidote maybe to
2: addiction. Mm -hmm. And when
0: I hear about this molecule, which is used ritualistically in Africa, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: much like sacred peyote and the ayahuasca churches in Brazil and whatnot, this is used by, in Western Equatorial Africa, by the buidi religion mm-hmm. and it's been around for there's over a hundred years of ethnobotany ethnopharmacology behind game. Mm. so i start to learn about this and i i'm hearing these stories and i did something you know which many scientists wouldn't do which was i got i bought a couple of plane tickets brought a medical colleague with me from my department and mm-hmm. we went to amsterdam where there was an underground railroad of addicts helping addicts mm. And I saw with my own eyes, mm-hmm. I began completely break the cycle of addiction for three young men. One mm-hmm. man was on 100 milligrams of methadone and mm-hmm. chipping on benzodiazepine, Xanax, mm-hmm. and using a little coke on occasion, a little heroin on occasion. Mm-hmm. The other person was a musician, very mm-hmm. talented young Puerto Rican mm-hmm. man, drummer, and he was banging back a lot of heroin. And the third one was the son of an Orthodox rabbi who suffered with attention deficit disorder and was majorly addicted to freebase cocaine. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I saw three, these three young men uh, administered Ibogaine by Howard Lutzoff, who is credited with the seminal discovery of Ibogaine, Mm -hmm. himself uh, was an addict, someone who would become addicted to heroin Mm -hmm. and made a seminal discovery and then built a company and got intellectual property around his invention. Mm-hmm. And he was the one who was running this Underground Railroad. So mm-hmm. Howard Lutsov invited me to go see it. Mm-hmm. And I saw it with my own eyes. And I thought, my God, what is this? Mm-hmm. We need to study this mm-hmm. in not in the underground. This needs to come above ground. This needs to come into an academic medical center. Right. And I couldn't do any research there because mm-hmm. it wasn't a setting. But what I did do is I collected urine. Mm-hmm. And I brought urine frozen urine back with me. The mm-hmm. men gave me consent to bring back you know urine samples I brought them back mm-hmm. and I had been working with the Day County Medical examiner department and I had a graduate student who was running my equipment mm-hmm. and I went with my colleagues there and I handed them the box of that urine and I said analyze this urine
2: mm-hmm. I
0: want to, there's an active metabolite here I want I want mm-hmm. us to identify it and that's how we identified nor I began. Which mm. is an active metabolite of ibogaine. Mm-hmm. So now we've got ibogaine as this lead psychedelic molecule, mm. and we've got an active metabolite, noribogaine, and so begins my journey.
1: Well, wow, well. Wow. So you know, so this started back in 1992, and I understand that back in 1994 you were granted an investigational drug license. Uh, to research, you know, the uh, impact of Ibogaine and uh, its addiction-stopping capabilities, if you will. And I know that that over the years, there's been various types of research ongoing. And I uh, also heard recently about the um, $42 million grant down in Kentucky to go ahead and conduct research with Ibogaine as well. And I'm just wondering... Uh, you know, of Kentucky, of all places, you would you would imagine that you know there would be some resistance. But this is gaining traction on both the both sides of the aisle, with Republicans and Democrats. And I'm just wondering, the you know, can you share some of the latest findings, perhaps, in this area of research, uh, and you know, what's happened since 1994?
0: So let me back up a little bit with sure, you please. And, <laughs> and fast forward this thing to the Kentucky initiative. Mm-hmm. And actually, in, um, when I observed this, mm-hmm. I went back to the University of Miami and I got the higher ups at the medical school there uh, to give us permission to test Ibogaine at the academic medical center. And we would need to go to the FDA to get permission to give Ibogaine to you know, human subjects first and mm-hmm. then to advance through a regulatory path. Costs many millions of dollars mm-hmm. to do clinical trials.
2: Right.
0: All right. So we submitted an academic investigator-initiated IND in 1993, mm-hmm. and the FDA gave us granted us permission. FDA was very collaborative, very helpful, mm-hmm. indeed. That's what their job is and that's what they do there. They review your package and they give you, they give you feedback. But they gave us feedback and they gave us permission to go forward first in ibogaine veterans who had already taken ibogaine because they had already been exposed to the drug keep in mind that we didn't have a lot of animal data we didn't have a lot of in vitro data we didn't know much about the mechanism of action of the drug or the pharmacokinetics or the safety profile or the adverse events we knew very little because howard Mm -hmm. Mm lutsoff's investigation was open label and not done in the way that the FDA would require. So the FDA was generous mm-hmm. with us, but they they went cautiously as they would do. Right. In 1995, I go back to them again and they give us the full green light, full green light.
2: Mm. Go
0: ahead. Excellent work. Dr. Mash and team. I want we allow you to go up to two, four, six, eight mix per mm-hmm. King, which is a, which would be a quote psychedelic dose of Ibogaine and what we thought was the target dose. This was where we wanted to land in terms of being able to break the cycle of addiction for mm-hmm. withdrawal and, management. And, and, what,
1: and what was that dose again, please? If you eight, eight milligrams eight, per eight kilogram. Milligrams. So
0: that's what the FDA allowed us to advance up mm-hmm. to. My mm-hmm. problem was I didn't have the money to pay for the clinical trial. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I couldn't get the money to pay for the clinical mm-hmm. trial. I could not get the money to pay for the clinical trial. Mm-hmm. Howard Lutzoff, who controlled the intellectual property, mm-hmm. Did not have the cash flow
1: Hmm. or
0: or the ability to raise dollars to pay for the study.
1: And these are millions of dollars that were
0: millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. The University of Miami is not going to pay for it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And anything we did in the University of Miami would benefit Howard Lutsoff's company and his intellectual property, Mm -hmm. increase the value of his assets. Mm -hmm. So what would I what would I do? I would do what any academic investigator would do. I would go back to the NIH,
2: hmm. to
0: the National mm-hmm. Institute on Drug Abuse, who was funding my research and ask them to pay for the clinical trial, mm-hmm. which is what I did. Mm-hmm. But this Good. is 1995.
1: 1995, wow. Yes.
0: And so every after I had NIDA sitting with me at the table, when I went back to the FDA, I invited mm-hmm. open door NIDA to come in because they would be the that that would be my funding agency mm-hmm. i would need those dollars mm-hmm. to to get collect the data and basically long story short i couldn't fund any grants mm-hmm. related to ibogaine and i've held nih uninterrupted nih funding my entire adult life since mm-hmm. 1987 to the present mm-hmm. now everybody knows my age mm-hmm. so <laughs> you know This was very disheartening for me because we worked so hard to get FDA permission to go, but we couldn't get the dollars. We couldn't get the dollars. So then what I did was with permission from my university, I Mm -hmm. went offshore and I set up the first government approved psychedelic clinic for Mm -hmm. detoxification of people from cocaine, heroin, methadone using Ibogaine. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. we collected a safety an open-label efficacy database.
1: Now, where did you do that? Where and was the it?
0: Caribbean island, British West Indies, uh-huh. Saint Kitts, mm-hmm. and the, the Prime Minister there, Dr. Denzel Douglas, mm-hmm. uh, himself an MD, mm-hmm. gave us permission. So we we operated there for many years, and I took mm-hmm. those data and submitted those data to the FDA. So we kept we kind of kept it alive as long mm-hmm. as I could. Mm-hmm. Um, we also learn more about the molecules and so the ibogaine and what ibogaine is doing versus noribogaine and we mm-hmm. don't have time today to talk about that but you know it's always been an issue the the money
2: mm-hmm. right? the money right. so
0: we started Demerex, my company mm-hmm. to launch noribogaine
2: mm-hmm.
0: because we thought that noribogaine not a psychedelic molecule we know this noribogaine is not is not a hallucinogen it's mm-hmm. not a psychedelic and we believe that some of the beneficial after effects of ibocaine are mediated by that active metabolite which forms when you take ibogaine Mm
2: -hmm. we
0: know that the psychedelic effects are related to ibogaine so we could disentangle those two so our company goes forward we get new intellectual property on the nor ibogaine Mm -hmm. and another long story short uh, my company changed up hands different leadership like many biotech startups But in 2017, at the height of the opioid epidemic, I couldn't take it anymore. my heart was broken. And Mm -hmm. I made a decision to go in, take back control of my company, Mm -hmm. get serve proxies on my from my shareholders and reorganize the company. And this time I said, we're bringing the game back. And that led to a reorganization of the company and a a joint venture agreement with the Thai Life Sciences, Mm -hmm. which their mission is to take new molecules, new psychedelic related medicines, and advance them mm-hmm. to the clinic and advance them to the patient. So and now- What, what the,
1: company was that again? Thai
0: Life's? Life Sciences.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Symbol A-T-A-I.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They are a publicly traded company. Mm-hmm. And that's our joint venture. So we working together, Demarex, you know, had this knowledge and safety database and I'm, I'm, you know, considered one of, the, one of the experts on the topic of, the, of ibogaine and noreibogaine. So mm-hmm. together, we could forge a clinical development path,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and that's what we've been doing. We are we are ready to launch clinical trials. I believe I believe mm-hmm. that we are ready to launch trials in the United States. And we've mm-hmm. done some of our work in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, because remember, the other thing is not many psychedelic before MDMA and the and in the, and the um, just her heroic efforts of Rick Doblin.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: My goodness, you know Rick was. Rick Doblin was championing MDMA at the same time I was first going up in front of the FDA. He was mm-hmm. right there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so I've, I'm a huge fan of his and I, and I admire this man I can yeah. immensely.
1: Yeah, we, owe, we, we really do owe a lot to him and uh, the work he's done, but also to you, Dr. Mash and the work that you don't, you've done. I know that you've been involved and you're still doing the work around Ibogaine and you've been involved with the Healing Transitions Institute for Addiction. Uh, and I think that's doing some drug detox work in Cancun. And you know, also with Ibogaine treatments, do you see I began uh, being, you know, integrated into the mainstream healthcare area, uh, you know, for addiction treatment. And back to that Kentucky uh, funding, you know, that forty-two million, could that perhaps lift it up in some way? Maybe we can talk about that.
0: Mm-hmm. Certainly. so where do I, where do, where do I see this going? Well, I mentioned about the St. Kitts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the the program I had in St. Kitts was called the Healing Visions Institute for Addiction mm-hmm. Recovery. When I closed that down. I helped train a medical doctor who opened up in Cancun, and the clinic there is called Clear Sky. Mm-hmm. In the wake of me closing down St. Kitts, began clinics were popping up everywhere. Mm-hmm. Some with medical oversight, some with not. So you, we've had a, a real kind of buyer beware situation of these different, you know, but people are desperate, and they're going to go for this treatment, and. One of the things about Ibogaine is people are on the internet talking about the beneficial Mm -hmm. effects of Ibogaine, that it saved their lives. I mean, I have the stories of people, Mm -hmm. too. We all do. So there's a lot of, you know, efficacy data, right? Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people that will stand up and say, Ibogaine saved my life, put my family back together. I became a father again, a mother again, whatever
1: yeah i've heard i've heard upwards of 80 percent efficacy rate well,
0: i the, wouldn't give a number to uh, you today i mean i don't know what
1: but i mean but the buzz is so you know and of course the we buzz, know what happens with that yeah
0: you no know? so there's i i have always said out loud mm-hmm. that the numbers and 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 that you know i think there's a lot of evidence that the drug works mm-hmm. and i think uh, the scientific and the medical community and i think many many medical doctors would very much welcome the opportunity to prescribe ibogaine for their patients
2: mm-hmm.
0: and that leads us you know why why do we have to have ibogaine in the gray zone ibogaine is operating these clinics some better than others there's a new one beyond in cancun there are other ones opening up in different parts of the world But we need need Mm -hmm. to have this done in the United States. That's what I wanted. That's what I wanted in 2017. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. how do we get back in front of the FDA, have the conversation Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and begin to pick up the pace of clinical development. And that's what Kentucky represents. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's
0: what Kentucky represents. Kentucky is so make with what a day for me what a great mm-hmm. day for me to be invited to present mm-hmm. as a scientific expert as a subject matter expert on this topic mm-hmm. and to have you know patients come in and give their own testimonials and to have people as you said on both sides of the aisle mm-hmm. addiction affects everyone that doesn't everyone, care about everybody. your political mm-hmm. you know republicans right have reached out to me who've lost sons and daughters, people in mm-hmm. Congress. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get calls all the time mm-hmm. from people, desperate, desperate, what can I do? I'm gonna, lo- I'm, I'm, I'm gonna lose my son, I'm gonna lose my father, horrible. Right. So Kentucky, so how exciting mm. that they would earmark, out of the opioid ab- abatement mm-hmm. settlement,
2: mm-hmm.
0: funds to pick up the pace of clinical development of Ibogaine. Mm-hmm. Right. And understand that nobody's going to do research with Ibogaine without an FDA approved right. IND. We will ha- anybody, anyone who wants to do research with Ibogaine will have to put their protocol in front of the FDA and get permission. So if we can't get permission from the FDA, those dollars will not be wasted. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. what if? We have enough data right now, and what if we can work collaboratively together with key opinion leaders in the state of Kentucky, with treatment providers in the state of Kentucky, with people on the, from the University of Kentucky? There are addiction experts
2: mm-hmm.
0: at the University of Kentucky, legendary addiction experts.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Why not you know, put together a Manhattan Project?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Fentanyl is a chemical weapon attack on our country.
1: It is, absolutely. People,
0: the deaths due to opioid intoxication are the equivalent of a plane crash a day.
1: Mm-hmm. What and they're would- still, I mean, and they're still, you know, giving them out. And, you know, you, I mean, freely, you go out and you have some pain. You know, even the Matthew Broderick uh, Netflix series, I don't know if you've seen it, Painkiller. I, I mean, I- you know, it's just that process of just, it's it's heroin in a pill. That's basically it. It
0: you know, opioids help when you're in, when you're in severe pain,
2: mm-hmm.
0: acute pain. You've been in a car wreck. You know, coming out of surgery and whatnot. You need opioids; they work. Right. But what you don't need is to be. You know, what we need to worry about is, you know, the young mommy who goes in has a C-section, gets on opioids, and mm-hmm. 90 days later she's still on opioids.
1: Right. Has a 30-day supply and gets it refilled, and then you know you don't need that. That's
0: much. that's our problem. You yeah, know the education is, you know, around yeah. well, you know that's the problem and you know not i hate opioids i would never become addicted to them because i just they're dysphoric for me i, I get sick on them they make mm-hmm. me sick i feel terrible i don't want them but right. some people are at risk for you know they feel normal on opioids they take an opioid for the first time and suddenly they feel normal so they get the stimulant effect it's mood elevating right. they feel some alleviation of anxiety and depression right You know so we we have to remove the stigma of addiction we have to understand more about who's at risk and genomic medicine is going to help us with that in the long run and ai will too but here's psychedelics but let me tell you what's even more impressive about psychedelic (laughs) molecules Mm -hmm. is that they turn on as you said plasticity windows Mm -hmm. in the brain they Mm -hmm. restore function they can heal the brain when I did a I did a many many years ago a fundraiser with one of the VG's on Miami Beach Oh, great! <laughs> and uh, yeah and some band members from the Miami Sound Machine Gloria mm-hmm. out, and my my kind of marquee that was up uh, you know
2: mm-hmm.
0: healing the addicted brain healing in healing inner wounds mm-hmm. and that's I Ibogaine. Ibogaine lets you get in touch with your trauma Mm-hmm. It lets you understand the wreckage of addiction mm-hmm. in your life and lets you see your life and do this, conduct this life review. And at mm-hmm. the same time, it's mm-hmm. blocking the withdrawal, the cravings, the desire to run out the door the next day and get high. And it's turning on, it's helping to reset mm-hmm. the dysfunctional plasticity that drugs of abuse have hijacked in the brain.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Right. This is a
0: renaissance.
1: hmm. Well, this is a
0: fundamental breakthrough in neuroscience. Mm -hmm. And Ibogaine is one of the tools in the toolbox.
1: And Kentucky can be the launchpad, as you say, the Manhattan Project for, you know, helping us to go ahead and look at it as a tool to go ahead and combat not only the opioid addiction crisis, but the fentanyl crisis and really uh, help to reset, reboot and reframe uh what addiction is all about and
0: giving patients opportunities Mm -hmm. you know some patients are will benefit from being on Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know methadone or suboxone Mm -hmm. but also transitioning patients to methadone and suboxone is not an easy journey for the clinician ibogaine could be administered Mm -hmm. in a hospital setting under full medical monitor and then depending on where that patient is, the clinician can make a judgment and say, oh, all right, you're you're ready to transition to abstinence mm-hmm. and work a program of recovery.
1: Mm-hmm. Right, right. And day and, by day, day and, by day. And yeah, and
0: see how you're doing. And or you might want to go on now trexone, which is an opioid antagonist which has benefited people and but a lot of people can't detox well enough to go on naltrexone so they don't stay on naltrexone and then you know the other alternative is to get people to kind of understand their bad behaviors and why their suboxone is not working effectively start to get the neurocognitive plans back engaged in the brain, re-engage the frontal lobe, and then maybe the Suboxone will work better for you too. Mm. So you have alternatives, you're giving patients alternatives.
1: Well, that would be lovely. Uh, You know, I'm uh, KSAC and CARC and have worked in the addiction treatment field, and one of the frustrating areas that I find is the addiction treatment centers uh, seem to be sort of mill zones you know, where you go in and you go out. Now, on average, people go in about seven times. And, oh, yes. you know, they, I mean, it's a profit center, you know, and they yes. don't necessarily, uh, you know, and, and and certainly from a pharmacology viewpoint, the pharmaceutical companies don't necessarily, you know, they, they talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. So there seems to be a real uh, need for a huge shift. And I think that's, you know, coming from uh, the ground up from, uh, you know, certainly from people who are in the field. I'm also a vet. I work with, uh, you know, the Heroic Hearts Project and dealing with vets who uh, have PTSD and trauma. Uh, and of course, you know, pain uh, in that process. And opioids have been a real um, a real problem in that particular area. So let's hope that, you know, this work in Kentucky can go ahead and help change things.
0: And, and you know, thank you for your service, mm-hmm. sir. Um, You know, our veterans are our most precious members of our society Mm -hmm. and we leave them behind. We cannot, we cannot. And when I see those beautiful young men and women that have gone offshore to take Mm -hmm. on the game and their journey of recovery, Mm -hmm. it is the greatest gift to me personally, Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. all my years of dedicated effort to -hmm. advance this molecule there can be no greater gift hmm. than than to see families brought back together and to see men and women be made whole, who have given us their service on the battlefield.
1: Right, and and we should be doing that, providing those gifts right here in the USA, not having them go offshore somewhere and not being able to go ahead and manage the quality of care that they might be given. So I, 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 I certainly hope we can see some of those changes happen, you know, in real time. Let me ask you, I know you're going to be at the Wonderland Conference. And, you know, as I said earlier, the theme of the conference is psychedelics, health, wellness and longevity. Can you give us maybe a little sneak peek without, you know, revealing, maybe just a little, you know, a little tease, if you will, as to what your uh, session might be about, what your presentation or your talk might be about? Uh, and what you might be discussing?
0: Certainly. I I always like to, you know, educate people about Ibogaine because mm-hmm. many people don't know about Ibogaine. I mean, you know, we know about, we know about, mushrooms, we know about psilocybin, we know about ecstasy, we know about MDMA, but we really don't know about Ibogaine. It's amazing to me how many people still don't know about Ibogaine. So the opportunity to educate people about Ibogaine, Mm -hmm. uh, the history of Ibogaine, the dark side of Ibogaine, which is, you know, Ibogaine being administered in unsafe settings. I've Mm -hmm. been kind of a watchdog, uh, you know, in that discussion, Mm -hmm. and then also talking about, you know, how do we advance clinical trials in the U.S. and what it'll mean from a regulatory standpoint, because we need other investigators. We need well-qualified investigators to enter this space. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. we're grateful that for the, you know, the opportunity to have a tie really take the lead and launch this program in Mm -hmm. the U.S. because they've, you know, spent a lot of money to, uh, you know, get this camera ready to present to the FDA. Mm -hmm. However, we need an expanded pace. We need to go fast and We, we, why you know, working with the FDA, we can how can we come up with a roadmap
2: Mm -hmm.
0: that can be shared at microdose, Mm -hmm. and I believe that there's there's another piece of this, and that's real world evidence, Mm -hmm. and I have been working with a lead investigator by the name of Dr. Alan Davis Mm -hmm. at Ohio State University, and Dr. Davis and his team are getting ready to launch the first ibogaine registry
2: Mm -hmm. where
0: people who have gone offshore and taken Mm -hmm. ibogaine will be able to log on and share Mm. their experience with ibogaine Mm -hmm. and reveal some information about the setting where they took the drug the type of medical care they got while they Mm -hmm. were under the drug and how they see the drug benefiting them Mm-hmm. So, these types of data will not be lost on the FDA and this is a very, very important initiative. Mm-hmm. We need patient advocates, we mm-hmm. need people in the addiction treatment space, we need the key opinion leaders, we need the scientists and the, and the scholars who understand something about Ibogaine, the molecules. To help inform the regulatory discussion and then we need a joint public-private partnership to take this over the finish line and make this available for the millions of people who will benefit
1: mm, wow well uh just tell me where to sign on and tell me where to how to get involved i mean i'm 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 i'm, I'm very excited for the research and i'm very excited for the effort because we really do need to see a change and the patient advocacy is certainly and to bring that public to go ahead and show it's not just anecdotal there's real you know there are real people and real lives and we can make a difference right now so what are we waiting for right um let me ask you your company uh your work with demorex i know you focus on developing non-opioid treatments for pain And addiction, can you share perhaps some of the progress and potential impact of the research in addressing the opioid addiction crisis?
0: Well, we're launching together, as I mentioned, with Mm the Thai, the Ibogaine uh, program, the clinical development program is advancing with the leadership of the Thai Life Sciences. Demrex is also working on the active metabolite, nor Ibogaine. Mm -hmm. And we are excited about this, and we will be presenting uh, information in front of the FDA on NoraibaGin very soon. So stay tuned. We'll, there'll be some announcements coming from Demarex.
1: Okay, great. And uh, And when we look at Norabagain versus ibogaine, can you tell us a little bit about the differences and you know what uh, people might uh, understand uh, and, and and really appreciate considering resources and so on?
0: yes so that's a great question and thank mm-hmm. you for asking that you know many years ago when we first described the noribogaine uh, metabolite i i thought you know maybe we need to allow patients to have the opportunity to take ibogaine under full mm-hmm. medical monitor and have the psychedelic experience but the, the transformative experience mm-hmm. of um, ibogaine the medicine itself mm-hmm. and then to be able to follow the ibogaine with noribogaine and a low-dose patch pill or a depot formulation to help extend that window
2: mm-hmm.
0: of sobriety. And in this way, they actually have a medication that is a non-opioid. It has began is very interesting pharmacology, too much to talk about today, but it's a polypharmacology. So it's at we believe that it's actually helping to reset the addiction circuitry in the brain and bring back the homeostasis Mm. Mm -hmm. so ibogaine noribogaine is like a one-two punch Mm -hmm. and noribogaine has a long half-life so you can detect noribogaine in the urine out for many weeks after you take Mm -hmm. ibogaine Mm -hmm. so we don't know how long that stays also up in the brain so this way we actually have a pharmaceutical preparation of noribogaine that people could just get from their pharmacy Mm you go to cds and Get low dose tablets of, no, of noribogaine.
1: Right. So, is there um, just from my understanding, and certainly perhaps for those who are listening, is it necessary to have ibogaine in order to then look at, um, you know, look at treatment or look at uh, uh, look at uh, uh, so ongoing support, if you will, with noribogaine as a process to go ahead and, you know, continue and you know work through your addiction issues
0: this is a very fundamental question sir no, and no. you know we're we're uh, mm-hmm. i think that there's going to be a lot there's a lot of great science that's coming mm-hmm. out right now on this mm-hmm. and i there's no doubt that mm-hmm. the ibogaine experience having the having the ibogaine experience at a at a, at a dose mm-hmm. that gives you the the introspection Mm-hmm. Is extremely important for many patients. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that was, was the dose. eight
1: milligrams that you talked about before. Yes, eight or
0: eight to nine makes per cake-free-based dose, something in that range. People mm-hmm. go up higher than that. I'm not we're we're still trying to, you know, target in on that dose, but that's definitely in the range of a psychedelic dose. The having that is going to turn on the neuroplasticity in the brain. Mm-hmm so how long that neuroplasticity window stays open we don't completely know mm-hmm. but you know having worked in the field mm-hmm. that addiction's a chronic relapsing disease
1: right
0: and what we're doing with the iban is putting you into remission now you have a window of opportunity
1: right for maintenance yeah.
0: that's right and mm-hmm. so what's going to be and i don't think it's going to be one size fits all
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know mm-hmm. you have to once you are clean from from the drugs and you, right. you know unwrap the addiction, then right. you're gonna be able to address is there trauma, is there post-traumatic right. stress disorder? Right. Is there major depression? What, you know, what were people self-medicating, anxiety right. disorder, et cetera? And there will be other molecules that will be coming that, you know, other molecules that in this new, you know, renaissance right. period, and I believe noribogaine will be one of them.
1: Right. And what you're really talking about is you're really talking about not a Suboxone or a Methadone. You're really talking about a real reset, a a real reboot, reset, reframe and the opportunity for neurogenesis, neuroplasticity, uh, normalization of the individual, uh, the ability to go ahead and activate the changes that they wish to see in their lives. So you move from the set, the setting into the integration and into the activation. And and really what you're doing through this maintenance process, it sounds like, is you're really helping people to show up for their own lives in a way that they would like to show up, you know, in a lucid way that allows them to be empowered in their power. Is that, is that, is that a good recap of what you've said? Um,
0: that is a brilliant recap. Okay. Thank you for that.
1: All right. Well, it's, uh, well, it's a very exciting area and I'm incredibly excited, um, to, um, not only have you on the show, but more importantly, to have you at the Wonderland conference. I'm wondering, you know, from your view, um, when you look at, um, you know, the, the conference, uh, what do you look forward to most? You've been there three times you say, and, uh, I know that you know individuals there and you know you know it's a community last year we had 3000 people there and they're from all walks of life this year uh, it's expanded out to as i said health wellness longevity and psychedelics and you know this whole area of being able to uh, reset reframe the trauma and being able to then live a life that is about health and wellness and longevity i think is Fantastic. I'm excited to see everyone there. What what particular area are you most excited about?
0: Well, I'm, I'm, you know, given my background Mm -hmm. in the aging brain, Mm -hmm. I'm very interested in learning what's on the cutting edge of longevity and wellness. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, you know, very familiar with the depression, trauma, mental health applications. And certainly there'll be new information that will be shared at Wonderland. But also to get this discussion going around longevity mm. and, you know, successful aging
2: mm-hmm.
0: and how these classes of molecules yeah. can, uh, you know, be restorative. I mean, look at Paul Stamets work with mm-hmm. his mushroom stack and the work that he's doing around mild cognitive impairment.
2: hmm. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: I'm in that age range, you know, this right. is very, this is important stuff. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I I just, I'm, I'm, I've really enjoyed the conference. The conference mm-hmm. brings together uh, a very diverse, eclectic group of people. There are uh, lead lead investigators, uh, you know, key opinion leaders, academic legends who have presented in the past and will be presenting this year, and I'm just extremely proud Mm. to call myself one of them.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, Really, Deborah, uh, Dr. Mash, I really appreciate um, the opportunity. Lastly, let me just ask you this last question, uh, you know, because our listeners might have listened to the whole conversation that we had, and they may be wondering themselves or, you know, they may be struggling with addiction or maybe other mental health issues. Uh, from your view how can they uh, really seek support um, you know it it sounds like Demorex is excited uh, is, is involved with some very exciting you know research and some announcements that hopefully will you know come out soon and we'll all be able to benefit from them but how would they get a hold of you and maybe what can they do to go ahead and seek support in the meantime from your view
0: very important question. First of all, if you want to learn more about Demrex and be part of our, uh, you know, viewers, you can always visit the website demrex.com, mm-hmm. and uh, you can always reach me through that website. If you come in through info at Demrex, uh, it immediately comes to my inbox and my computer. So many families and people struggling with addiction do reach out to me through the through the Demrex website, and we mm-hmm. welcome that and we try to help guide patients and families when we can. Today, the opportunity to take Ibogaine, we've already discussed that you mm-hmm. need to go offshore. What I will say to any patients or family members or support people is that you need to do your homework. If you're going to pick an Ibogaine clinic, ask the right questions and always speak to your doctor. Speak to mm-hmm. your clinician about Ibogaine. Mm-hmm. It's a good idea. And mm-hmm. you wanna make sure that you're, you're fit that you don't have an underlying risk factor or, or some other process in your heart or your liver that would make you not a good candidate for ibogaine. So you need to be cleared medically before you seek an ibogaine treatment. Ibogaine has to be given under full medical monitor. Make sure that if you choose a clinic, that you do your homework, ask the fundamental questions, and I'm here available. I I, you know, I'm here to help where I can.
1: That's excellent advice. So really uh, be the CEO of your own health. Uh, Have a good team on board. Really make sure that you're looking at all the medical support. Should something go wrong, do risk management and really take a look at uh, what the options are. Don't go into it just willy-nilly just because somebody says, I can do this or that. Yeah? Yeah. Excellent. Well, uh, thank you. uh, Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Mash. Uh, Thank you so much for being on the show, Deborah. And uh, I really do appreciate uh, your insights.
0: I appreciate you too. Thank you. This was a lively discussion.
1: It was great. Thank you for listening to the Mindfulness Experience Podcast. And a big thank you to our guest, Dr. Deborah Mash. For sharing her expertise and her insights with us. Remember, you can get a 20% discount off the registration for the Wonderland Miami Conference using the discount code Mindfulness20. Stay tuned for more exciting episodes on the mindfulness experience, and don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform.